on this cold winter evening. And we are so grateful that you have chosen to be in the house of the Lord with us. We welcome our online audience this evening as well. May the Lord bless you. If you're watching us from Florida, we're jealous, but we'll try not to have a bad spirit towards you or any other warm place you might be tonight. But we're just going to jump into the Word and share with you the help of the Lord tonight, what He's placed on our hearts. If you have your Bibles with you, 2 Kings chapter number 4, 2 Kings chapter number 4. If the Lord would help us tonight, we're going to use a familiar story for some of you probably in this room, but I want to hopefully share with you some truths that I believe can help us as we continue to move forward. And tonight... 2 Kings chapter number 4, if you want to stand for the reading of the God's Word, we're going to just dive in for a few moments, beginning in verse number 38. Beginning in verse number 38. And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot, and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat, and it come to pass, as they was eating of the pottage, that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat thereof. But he said, speaking of Elisha, said, Then bring meal. And he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Tonight, for a few moments, I want us to look at this text in 2 Kings chapter 4, 38 through 41, and we're going to try to minister for a few moments on what do you do when you find death in the pot. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its power, its anointing. We thank you for the people of God in this room and those that are watching us by way of internet today. Lord, I pray that for the next few moments that this vessel would be anointed afresh by the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, let me not just speak words. Let me not just deliver a sermon. But Lord, I pray that I would operate and move by the unction and the power and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in a manner where lives would be forever changed. And we will give you the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated this evening. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, say, let's just buckle up and get ready for a few moments. You can go to sleep in a little while, but please don't sleep on the preacher tonight, y'all. I feel a tired spirit in the room, and we just rebuke that today. And uh, I know y'all... Uh, exerted yourself this morning in worship. We say thank you for the presence of God in the room today. Amen. Uh, but today we're back and uh, we're here and we're here hopefully ready for the Lord to speak to us once again. But uh, as we read this story, I'd like to take just a few moments and walk through it with you. 
The prophet, we know, is in the land of Gilgal. It is here where the school of the prophets is located. It's what we would call today a seminary or a Bible institute. And this is where it was located. And it was a place where truth has been taught. I want you to understand that it's important that uh, we make sure that we position ourselves in a place where truth is present and we know that the land however was in a time of famine or drought if you will and it is really due you can when you do the research of why was the land in the condition that it was at this point at this time in history it really goes back to what it's always been and that is it was because of rebellion from the people if you were to read in chapter number eight of second kings the very first verse of that chapter, you would see where Elisha spake unto the woman whose son he had restored to life, telling her, he said, Arise and go, you and your house, and go anywhere you can, because the Lord hath called for a famine, and it's going to be on the land for seven years. And so therefore we know that this rebellion uh, that had brought judgment, if you will, to the people was a way of God getting, uh, get, God was trying to get their attention, not for their destruction, but for their place of restoration. It's another message. Don't have time to do that this evening. But in this land, like every other land, the people are dependent and was dependent upon rain, which means that ultimately they are dependent upon God himself. You and I, we're in a place where there is a lot of things that's produced in the natural from our fields, corn, soybeans, and some of you, you got what we call a green thumb, and you can raise those big red red tomatoes and you can raise those real big juicy cucumbers and you guys can produce a lot of things from the ground and you know those little red potatoes would be good about right now with some fresh half runner beans that'd be all right so shouldn't be talking about food during a fast should I but it's all right you're gonna make it uh, but we find that you know we are in a place that does produce a lot of things but if the Lord was to shut up the heavens. There, there wouldn't be no gardens being producing much come this summer. There wouldn't be much harvest coming in the fall because without rain, there is no production that can be had. And therefore, we find that in this land, there was, there was very dependent. But it is clear that the land was in a time of decay. It had not rained for some time, and the need for provision was clear. How many knows that if we went into a season of drought and our ground wasn't producing, if your garden wasn't producing, if the land around you wasn't producing, we would be in need of somebody providing provision for us. And therefore, we see that understanding the condition of what it was, we find that the instruction is given in this story by the prophet Elisha, and he turns to a servant, and he simply says, set on the great pot and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. Uh, he didn't tell them to bring out a T-bone steak. He didn't tell them to bring you out all of the beautiful things that we like to have on our table. But when you start talking about 
pottage, and you're talking about just fixing some, some blame pottage, you're really talking about nothing to get excited about. That's In my house, that would be equivalent of saying, I'm going to go get me a thing of one-minute Quaker oats, and but you can't have no sugar in it. You can't listen. It, come on. You got to have to have something in it because it's just plain, right? And what you get is you just get some plain paper. It's like, when that don't even, you know, a lot of you say, man, I like oatmeal if it's got raisins in it or if it's got strawberries or bananas. You, you put all the sugar, you put everything in it, and it's like, then it ain't good for you. But that's another time as well. But So really what the prophet is saying, I'm just going to give you something that has life in it that's going to sustain you and keep you from not dying. And he said, listen, I know y'all need to eat. And so basically he's giving them just some plain stuff. But in this plain stuff, there's life. There is, we, I, I believe this to be true. If it's good for you, it don't taste good a lot of times. But so he's got his servant. He's fixing all this pottage and nothing to really be excited about. But you're going to eat today. That means you're going to live and you're going to make it through till tomorrow. But we find that that wasn't good enough for some. and still not good enough for some today. But we find that, notice it was in, during this time of hardship and suffering that God was faithfully going to provide for those that was present. Can I tell you, he's still faithful. Is anybody in the room? I said, he's still faithful. Doesn't matter if it's just plain and blah. It doesn't matter if it's not much to be excited about at this moment or what have you. But he's still faithful. But then we see an unexpected turn of events in this passage that we read together tonight in verse number 39. It says, And one went out into the field to gather herbs, and he found a wild vine, and he gathered thereof of these wild gourds, and his lap was full of them, but he came back, and he then shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. Now, I know I'm going a little slow at the beginning, but I want us to get a visual of this. The act of this one individual, please hear me, nearly wiped out the prophetic voice for the next generation. And nobody done anything. So this one individual goes out into the field and he starts looking around. It's in a time of famine. There's, there, there's things that's not normally there, that's not usually there as absent, but now we see this wild stuff growing. And how many knows that sometimes wild things have color? It's attractive. I don't know what it is. It, what, what, well, could it be good? You know, we used to walk through the woods sometimes and you'd see those little red berries and they'd say, don't eat them. Those are poison. But they look pretty. Anybody with me tonight? So instead of this plain white pottage, we find that somebody comes back and he's got a lap full of all kinds of gourds that he's picked from wild vines. I don't have any wild gourds, so I just got construction paper. So, but it's colorful. It's got, it's got life to it. It's not just something bland. Surely it's going to make it taste good. Surely it's going to make it better. So, but he comes back and the prophet's present, uh, the servant's present, all of the other sons of the prophet's been there and that nobody says anything. And this individual that went out uh, and he went out into the field, brought back some wild gourds. Uh, and how many knows that, that it takes a little bit of time and he's standing here. It wasn't like he just throwed them in, but it said, your Bible says he began to shred them. 
So he's working, he's cutting, and he's putting all of this in. Nobody questions anything. And what they don't realize is they don't know what's going in here. All they know is that it looks pretty. Uh, oh, I think it might be all right. Uh, and it seems like nobody is really concerned about what's been put in the pot because we're hungry and we want something to eat. And when I'm hungry, I'll eat anything. So as long as somebody's serving it up and fixing it for me, it don't really matter what it is just so I get my share of it. Uh, but they don't realize that what he's doing is he's contaminating the very thing that the man of God uh, is getting ready to serve them. And here they are. Nobody says anything. You all just sitting there watching me do it. You all know that this is full of death. Uh, you've never had it before. You think it might not be good, but nobody says anything. And now we find that after all of this is done, that this young man, that this individual he gets it on there and it stays out there and it's it's on the burner it's on the fire it's still cooking and then all of a sudden we find that they began to pour out of this pot and it says as they began to eat that there began to be a cry that went forth and it said oh thou man of God there is death in the pot and they could not eat there of. Please hear me. If they wasn't going to eat out of this because of what was in it, there is no other left. There is nothing left. There's nothing else for them to eat. So if I don't eat, I'm going to die. But if I do eat, I'm going to die because of what's been presented to me. And now we find that there's a dilemma. So what do you do when there's death in the pot? Uh, I come with a simple message tonight to tell you uh, that there's still uh, some things that you and I cannot eat of. Uh, you and I today, if we're going to walk with life, uh, if we're going to be that which God has called us to be, uh, we're going to have to realize tonight uh, that we have to be careful uh, for that which we put into this temple. Uh, the call to awaken to what has currently been brought to you and I uh, cannot be ignored. Lord. Uh, the ideal that we hear all the time around us, and I've had conversation in the recent days uh, with others, uh, the ideal that we must have unity uh, and we must embrace that uh, which has been presented to us today, uh, it must be addressed. Uh, now, I know that there is an anointing and there's a favor of God uh, when brethren dwell together in unity, uh, but there's one word uh, that's in that phrase that you need to understand. It says brethren. Uh, that means uh, when you are of uh, joining together with other men and women of God. I'm not talking about church world. Uh, I'm talking about remnant. Uh, I'm not talking about denominationalism. Uh, I'm not talking about this group and that group. Uh, but I'm talking about those that are covered by the blood of Jesus. Uh, those that are following after him. By all means, we have to unify. Uh, but this thing uh, that we've been fed today. Uh, men has come along uh, and they've taken this pot uh, and they've begun to shred their ideals in it. Uh, every new doctrine that comes along, uh, every new theology that comes along, uh, everything that's contrary to the word of God has now been put in the 
pot uh, and they think that we need to eat of it. Uh, well, you're just old fashioned. Uh, you're out of date. Uh, you need to be more relevant. Uh, please hear me today. Uh, I'm not concerned about being relevant. Uh, I'm concerned about being biblically correct. Uh, I'm concerned about the reality today uh, that we cannot just allow a generation to eat of anything. We cannot and we must not accept anything that has been exposed to the gourds that have been gathered from a wild vine. Notice with me, God doesn't need our help with preparing the pottage. He has already made it. It needs no other ingredients added to it. We are taught in scripture that we are not to add to are to take from. Please hear me this evening. I'm going to preach while you sit there. It's all right. John chapter 14, verse number six tells us this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, the pottage has already been made. Uh, I mentioned this verse this morning, but I believe it's important to mention again this evening. Uh, Proverbs 16 and 25 says uh, that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, uh, but the end thereof are the way of death. Uh, when men begin to try and to add to that which the Lord has provided, uh, they begin to operate from a place uh, that is not sanctioned by God. Uh, it reveals uh, that they begin to operate from a place uh, of a controlling spirit. Uh, and may I say that this place, uh, it is a state of rebellion. Uh, it has been said, and I am inclined to agree uh, that a controlling spirit is the number one enemy of faith. Uh, hear me tonight, it ruins relationships, it breeds loneliness, uh, and it ultimately removes God's plan out of the equation. Uh, anytime someone uh, adds anything to the pot, uh, they poison the pot. Uh, we see upon hearing the cry of a generation, uh, Elisha immediately called uh, for the only thing that could bring life uh, back to the pot. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 4 verse number 41, uh, the Bible tells us, but he said, uh, then bring meal. Uh, and it says he cast into the pot uh, and he said, pour out uh, for the people that they may eat. Uh, and there was no harm in the pot. Uh, it was only when uh, the meal was poured into the pot uh, that it became a pot that was filled with life. Uh, we know this tonight. The meal uh, represents the word of God. Uh, but I want to take it a little further tonight. Uh, we know that the word is Christ himself. Uh, John 1 verse 1, uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, that's a picture of Jesus. Uh, but we also know that it is Christ uh, who is 
the meal in 2 Kings chapter 4. You say, how do you know that? If you go over to John chapter 12, verse number 24, you will find these words, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. When we start talking about meal in 2 Kings chapter 4, what we're talking about is wheat flour. And when you begin to understand that you're talking about wheat flour, you come back to John 12 and 24 and you realize this, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, Jesus was the corn of wheat. And when he went into the ground and he died, but then when he sprouted back out three days later, he became the wheat that then becomes the flour and therefore he becomes the meal and because he becomes the meal and he's cast into the pot, everything that was in the pot that was filled with death begins to be canceled out because in Christ and Christ alone is life and liberty and freedom. Please hear me. When Jesus died and was buried, he was the seed, but upon his resurrection, he became the wheat that made the meal. And therefore, now that we have concluded that he is the meal, I'd like to turn our attention just for a few moments, not to anything other than the pot. The pot this evening is our lives. And we cannot allow others to shred things into it. We must realize today that the pot must be safeguarded at all times. It doesn't matter how attractive something may be. It doesn't matter how many others may embrace it. We cannot allow our pot to be filled with that which is not of God for our lives. We will not stand and give an account to men at the end of our life. But every one of us, please hear me, will stand before God. Romans chapter 14, verse number 7 through verse number 10, we're talking about believers in this passage of Scripture. Paul is writing, and he says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live or whether we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why doest thou judge thy brother? Or why doest thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Please hear me. If you read on a little further, Paul addresses the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the first five verses of that chapter, he says this. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is quired and stewards that a man be found faithful. But he says, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. What he's saying is this, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the hearts. And then shall every man, tell your neighbor, make sure they're still awake, every man, every man have praise of God. What he's simply saying is this, 
And I want you to hear me tonight. Your life. I'm not talking to anybody else but you tonight. Your life is your responsibility. My life is my responsibility. No one, I mean no one, will be able to answer for you when you stand before the Lord. Don't matter how wonderful mama was or how powerful daddy was, doesn't matter how great grandma was, none of them can come and run to your rescue and say, oh, but they were so wonderful. You and I will give an account for our own lives. We will give an account for our stewardship. We will give an account for the things that we know and we choose not to do. We will give an account for every avenue of our lives. One of the things that I see repeated throughout history that disturbs me greatly, not just within the church world, but throughout history in general, is this. Individuals that have chosen to sit idly by and watch things happen. In our story today, there is a group of individuals that was positioned in a place where they was been taught truth, they was been prepared to be the leaders of the next generation, and yet they sat in silence while someone went and got gourds from a wild vine. Please hear me today. You may not be real familiar with the culture of other nations. You may not be real familiar with their diet, but when your circle in which you live, you are very familiar. You can, you can go to Southern California and start talking about biscuits and gravy, and they're going to look at you and say, what are you talking about? But you can go up to about anybody in Connersville, Indiana, or throughout Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and talk about biscuits and gravy, and everybody going to know, because why? It's part of your culture. Those individuals sitting there that day knew what the food culture was of their day, and they chose to sit, and they watched somebody take a lid off a pot and began to put stuff in it that they had never seen before, they'd never seen in their food before, they'd never ate it before, they'd probably seen it out in the field, and maybe their granddaddy, or maybe their daddy, or maybe somebody said, we don't put that in our food because that's deadly. We don't, that's not meant for consumption. That's meant for decor. That, that, that's not meant for you to put into your body because there's death in it. But everybody sat in silence because why? I can't answer that. But it's the same thing that happens throughout generation after generation after generation. Well, maybe it won't be that bad. Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe, well, well they really mean well. I'm going to tell you something. If anybody's adding anything to the word of God in your life, they don't mean well. It means they're trying to build their kingdom instead of build his kingdom. Please hear me. Elisha comes along, this great man of God, his servant, is faithful to the instructions that he had received. But somehow, somehow the eyes got removed from the pot. All kinds of stuff 
is just shredded into it. And the only answer, the only answer was the meal. Do you know this evening living in a state of distraction do you know what your pot is filled with today? Are you aware of the ingredients that's in your pot? Let's pause for a moment and become unspiritual. And let's talk about the natural realm just for a moment. Just because the FDA says it's approved does not mean you should put it in your body. Because do you realize that what they say is approved? If you read the ingredients on the back of your cereal box and you give it to your children, that's really not good parenting. Now, I'm not telling you how to parent, but I'm just telling you. You should read some of the things you're putting in those kids' body. And you should read of some of the things that you're putting in your own body. Just because somebody told you it's okay doesn't mean it's okay. Can I tell you that a large percentage of the food that we consume in the United States of America is not allowed to be shipped into many other nations of the world because of the ingredients that's in it? Because they say this, it's too deadly for our people. But we live in a place of convenience. Justin's feeling guilty about right now. I see him turn and look at Alvin two or three times. I know little Debbie's are good. I know that some of those other snack cakes that you used to get for 49 cents, you're paying $2.50 for now. Listen, it is insane. Listen, I, I, I'm not against treating yourself but what i'm saying i'm using this to draw a picture to tell you that just because it tastes good just because it, it feeds an addiction because that's what it is uh, just because it feeds an addiction does not mean that it's healthy for you and then you say well i just don't know if i can afford to do anything listen you're spending two dollars and 89 cents uh, to kill yourself multiple times a day because it tastes good but you can't finance something for the kingdom of god god help us that's not in my notes. You get that one for free. But please hear me. When we do the same thing in the spiritual realm, we wait for the latest prophet. We wait for the latest revelation. Uh, we got this new fad, this new fashion, this new doctrine. Uh, well, it sounds good to the flesh. Uh, we like it. It don't really require much. It, a lot of people's moving in it. Uh, it, it looks exciting. Uh, it gives me goosebumps. Uh, but you don't realize it's filled with death because uh, people have added their twist and their spin to it. Uh, and it's not like up with the word of God uh, and then you wonder why there's no joy you wonder why there's no peace uh, you wonder why there's no rest uh, you wonder why there's no conviction uh, you wonder why there's nobody getting saved you wonder why there's nobody getting healed uh, there's nobody getting delivered uh, it's because there's death in the pot uh, and the only way that there's life uh, the only way there's an anointing the only way that there's victory uh, is if somebody once again uh, like the prophet says listen uh, just somebody go 
find the meal. Uh, can I tell you the meal is still the word. Uh, I can do uh, a lot of things. Uh, I can go and I can tell you I can put money in the pot. Uh, it's not going to make it better. Uh, I, I, I think I can get it uh, to get it a little bit, but no, uh, I can't make it better. Uh, I, I, I can go get uh, go get entertainment. Uh, I can go get the music uh, of the of the latest and greatest. Uh, I can go do whatever. It still don't fix it. Uh, I can go get the greatest musician and put it in it. It still don't fix it. Uh, but if somebody will go back uh, and get the meal uh, and put the meal in there, uh, somebody, uh, somebody's got to realize uh, that's when somebody's lost baby will come home. Uh, that's when the attic will get delivered. Uh, that's when there will be a, a revival in your community. Uh, that's when there will be hope in the midst of hopelessness. Uh, but somebody's got to bring back the meal. Do you know what you're eating? Is your pot filled with death? Can I ask this question? How much of the original pottage is left in your pot? Have you allowed gourds from another vine be shredded into your life? I didn't come tonight with the latest and greatest that men has created or come up with. And I'm all wonderful, thankful for fresh revelation if it's with the Word of God. But please hear me. I come with simply one thing. I come with a bag of meal because it is still able to restore life back to the pot. Yeah. Tell you how bad it's become. A gentleman that I know, he's did a lot of wonderful things. He's worked in a lot of places. Helped a lot of people. He and I, on different ends of the spectrum, on a lot of things when it comes to theology. But I still honor him and I still respect him. He was recently asked... He was reached at some, a, a company, a, an organization, I should say, reached out to him, said, we heard that you used to spearhead and lead some drilling water wells and other places and do a few other things with food security. And they shared what they were wanting to do in a part of Africa. And he heard them and did some research. He said, you know what? They'd ask him, would you spearhead us getting some water wells and getting some food to these people? They're starving. And he said, I will be more than happy to not just spearhead this thing, but I will personally raise the money and I will provide the resources for it. He said, I knew it was going to be a big ask. I didn't have the money to do so. But he said, I, I committed to that. And he said, they was excited, they was wonderful. And he said, then a few days went by and he received a call. And it was like, so what organization are you with? And what denomination are you with? And he said, well, I'm not of any denomination. He said, I'm non-denominational and I am operate through my own organization. And, but he said, I come from a Pentecostal background and he didn't hear anything for a few days 
About a week went by and he reached out and they got back with him and they said, well, we no longer want you to be part of what we're doing. And he said, well, may I ask why? And they said, well, we will never associate with someone that has the potential to lead our people into a place of false doctrine and teachings of the word of the Lord. And he said, what do you mean? They said, we we don't ever want, we never want our people to be exposed to those that believe in the moving of the spirit of God. And he said, well, and he said, I graciously reminded them that, well, I've not only offered to spearhead this thing for you and you reached out to me. I didn't reach out to you. I'm even willing to pay for it all, but now you say you don't want me to do anything for you because I was raised in a Pentecostal setting and and he's probably been more critical of Pentecostalism than anybody that I know in recent years, to be quite honest. Not that he's denounced it, but he has his opinions. He's very vocal about it. And he said, so you're not going to, he said, what about the starving people? And please hear me. The guy on the other end of the phone said this. He said, I would rather for those people to starve than to have them be exposed to someone like you. Let me tell you something tonight. That somebody that's had a lot of this put in their pot. And because of that statement, that man will stand before the Lord and he will answer for hundreds, if not thousands of people that will die because if they don't have water, because they don't have food, because his pot was poisoned. Let me tell you something today. If this isn't in your life, you will lose focus and your pot will become contaminated and it will become about something that it's not supposed to be. But in my Bible, it teaches me very clearly that it has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with him, has everything to do with eternity. So tonight I ask you, what are you eating? What are you putting in your temple? Is it is it the original pottage that God has for you, which is his plan for your life? Or has it been so contaminated with all of these other wild gourds that you don't even know what you're eating anymore? We'll tell you tonight. I know it's not popular. I know that it's not accepted by many. But I watched an interview of a 90-year-old man this week. He had his Bible. Mine's, this is about my third one, I think, since in the last nearly 25 years. The hardest thing is to change a Bible if you... If you love a Bible, it's falling apart. But this 90-year-old man had his Bible. It's all taped together. He said, I, I've preached this 
I've used this thing for 70 years. It's marked up, tattered, and torn. What he's simply saying is, I've had the meal in my life for 70 years. It's what I eat of. If you go home tonight and you take your Bible and you put your hand on it and you leave a line on the cover, you're probably eating wild pottage. It's time to dust it off. Quit waiting for somebody else to give it to you. Start letting it be poured into you again. Because without it, there is no life. We want there to just be this wave come through and everything just be wonderful. I don't ever read that in Scripture. But I read the early church was persecuted. I read the early church was crucified upside down. I read where they was beaten, where they was mocked, where they was made fun of. But yet they went and they walked the plank to their death with a song and with joy because of the meal that was present in the pot. We can't even lift our hands and sing a chorus because somebody talked about us. Or somebody didn't shake our hand. God help us. Because I'll tell you something. All of this stuff right here. You know what it does? The moment all of that starts getting put in. Is the moment it all becomes about you. And it just makes everything become contaminated not about you not about me but it is about the great commandment and the great commission love the Lord thy God with all thy heart go ye into all the world preach the gospel it's not much going because there's not much meal the moment you get meal it's the moment that you fall in love with Jesus. And if you fall in love with Jesus, you can't help but go. You'll go to your neighbor, you'll go to your family, you'll go to your community, and you'll go to the nations of the world. But what do you do when there's death in the pot if they come to the music tonight? I've got four words for you. What do you do? What do you do when there's death in the pot? These four words, if you hear nothing else I say, please hear these four words on this cold Sunday evening. Bring back the meal. Just bring back the meal. I don't need I don't need Mr. Wonderful 
I just need the meal. I don't need the latest and the greatest. I just need the meal. I'm not against new methods. I'm not talking about that tonight. I don't need a new gospel. I don't need a new twist. I don't need a new fad. I just need the meal. So when there's death in the pot, when there's all kinds of uncertainty all around, when it seems like everything is growing dark, just bring back the meal. My heart is so heavy today. can be in the presence of God for an hour, hour and a half, two hours and then it's almost like we just dust ourselves off and say that's enough for me I'm good for another six months we have no desire, no longing I'm not being mean tonight, please don't interpret it that way but I've walked and I've been and I've been in some moves of God and then I come back a few hours later the next day and it's like we just turn the light switch off and we're there out of a sense of obligation. We don't even have a desire to be there and then we wonder why our children and our communities are a mess. I watched a football game last night. Stands was full pouring down rain. Nobody thought about getting up and leaving. They was committed. They stayed there till the end. They wasn't concerned about being wet. They wasn't concerned about being sick today. But they was gonna cheer their team on to the very last buzzer. the people of God got to understand when we look around and see what we see there's no denying that there's a lot of people eating out of a pot that has death in it but can I ask you this question and I want you to hear this question from my heart Does it bother you today that there's untold thousands eating out of a contaminated pot? Does it bother you today that your family, those that you love, are eating out of a pot that man has shredded all kinds of stuff into and there's no life in it? This easy way out thing that says, well, 
God will be faithful and they'll turn to God eventually one day. I'm going to tell you something. No man has a promise of tomorrow. Every day is a gift. If we could get a glimpse of eternity without God in a place called hell, if we could get a glimpse, you and I wouldn't walk out of this building in a few moments, go put our PJs on, kick out our recliner, and entertain ourselves with the latest news or another church service, but we'd find ourselves laying between a porch and an altar somewhere saying, God, visit them right now. God, don't let there be no poison in my pot. You can wish for things and you can ask for things. But there's some things you have to labor for. I would to God tonight that we would labor for a generation again. I would to God that somebody would look to their wife and say, I'm going to the woods and I won't be back until I talk to Jesus. We can keep eating from this pot. Or we could say, bring back the meal and begin to eat of something that's filled with life and strength joy and peace that once again could turn a world upside down it may not have all the pretty colors it may not have all of the applause of men you may find yourself sitting in a jail cell with stripes on your back and you may see a noose hanging out the window that's got your name on it But if that's our end, so be it. Because when we walk from this life and step into that life, we will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You was faithful over a few things, so I'll make you ruler over many. Or we can continue to eat of a pot that's filled with poison. And what we don't realize is that we're dead even yet while we live. No impact. No changing the course. No evangelizing the world. But tonight, when there's death in the pot, what do you do? You just simply say, bring back the meal. As we stand all over the house tonight, Oh, God. You say, why is it so important? 
Can I have three minutes to read this in your hearing? Psalms 34, verse number eight. It may not look as good as some of the things men have created, but Psalms 34 and eight says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Verse number 11, come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking gall. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. But then 17 through 19, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such of a contrite spirit. Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. You say, preacher, why you get like you are is because, can I tell you, I've tasted and I've seen that he is good. And I've cried out to him and he's heard me. And when I've went through some dark times and some difficult times and some unnerving times, he has delivered me, not from some of them, but from all of them. So if you want to experience the power of God and the anointing of God in your life, this is where it begins. No matter how old you are, how young you are tonight, please hear me. The older I live and the longer I live, the more that I believe this statement to be true. For one that has a Bible that is falling apart, it is a picture that his life is put together. For the one that has a Bible that is still brand new, his life is probably pretty scattered. Because the only way that there is really life is if there's meal present. My call tonight is this. God forgive us for eating everything except for the meal. And so beautifully as it's been played, He's all we need.
can we have tonight if this crying mess of a preacher has touched any part of your life over the last half hour, 40 minutes, whatever it's been. If you've heard that still small voice of the Lord penetrate your spirit, are you willing to humble yourself in the presence of God and spend a little bit of time in an old-fashioned altar on a cold Sunday night and say, Lord, you're all we need? No fluff. No, no gizmo, no gadget, no gotcha, no catch a thing here, there. Just this word. Would you stand in his presence? Would you kneel in his presence tonight and say, Lord, you're all I need? And Lord, I want meal in my life. Don't let my pot be poisoned. If that's you tonight, as Sister Emma sings, can we pray together tonight? Hey, everyone. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed this message, and I hope it blessed you. And please check our description below. You'll find all of our social medias linked below. And as always, please subscribe so we can reach more people. As always, thanks for watching, and I hope to see you soon.